I want you to think about, this is a hard task now, it's a long journey. I want you to think about what it meant and felt like to be a Jew in the wilderness. You've come to the Jordan and you've crossed the Jordan now and now kings have been established. The judges are like, we're really going forward. And now the temple of Solomon has been built. Oh my goodness, I would have loved to have seen it. By all accounts and by the description in scripture, it was a stunning edifice with gold that reflected the sun, carved stone, the finest woods, and heavy cloth that was so heavy when it was part of the tabernacle, they called it walls. Beautiful tapestries. And as you stand and you look at this thing, your leader tells you God lives here in that building. But only one part of it does he make a personal appearance. And you can't go. You will never be allowed to approach this. You have to stay back. You have to stay away from the temple. You can come into the courts. But that's it for you. There are many laws that separate you from God and the building. If you're a woman, forget it. You'll never get there. That was the law. And I didn't make it, and I don't like it, but there it was. Oh, if you're a man, but you bear any visible scar, no, you can't come in. If you have any visible deformity, even a limp, No. What if you lost a limb or lost an eye in defense of the people of God? Sorry, you still cannot come in. You cannot approach. You cannot enter the holy place and don't even think about entering the holy of holies. That would get you killed. Literally, they had a guard, an armed guard that were considered the elite of the the Jewish men the Jewish warriors, an armed guard to make sure only those allowed could approach. Well, we know priests could get in as long as they showed no deformity. They could be there if they were the Levite people and they'd gone through all the proper cleansing, but only the high priest can go into a particular room separated by, Scripture usually calls it a curtain, but it was a lot more impressive than a curtain. It was big, It was elaborate. Gold was woven through it. No wind was going to shift this thing and give anybody a glimpse of the Holy of Holies. But the high priest, he can go in one day a year. Very quickly, preachers like to tell stories and sometimes they're wrong. And there are sometimes, you may have been been told, it was, no one else could go in, so the high priest had to wear bells so they could hear he was still moving around. He wasn't dead. And if the bells went silent, they assumed he was dead, but that's all right because they had a rope or in other versions, a golden chain around his ankle. So if the bells went silent, they'd pull him out. You've heard that. It's complete rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. A guy named Zohar made it up in 1250. In a, uh, in, a, in a writing where he made up some other stuff as well that people, that preachers like to tell. And I'm not going to go through all of that because I'd like to reserve that really exciting uh, for another time. And the point is, there wasn't any of that. You're just walking in. So what do you do, high priest? 
Are you ready for this? These are the set of rules for the high priest to approach God one day a year in the Holy of Holies. Rise early, bathe, put on your priestly garments that are only worn on that day. Do your normal priestly functions, prayers, incense, and the like. And then sacrifice a young bull, a bullock in, in most Bibles, and then change into white linen robes. Very important, you don't do the white linen robes before the sacrifice of a bullock. That would be problematic. So, sacrifice of a bullock, change into white linen robes. Then, they're going to bring you another young bull, who I would assume is quite nervous, if it had been watching the proceedings. But this bull, you had to have purchased with your own money. Lay your hands on, your, on the bull's head, confess your sins. And confess the sins of your house. Yes, in scripture, you can confess the sins of your house. In scripture, you can ask for forgiveness for the sins of others. I don't know where we got the idea that we couldn't. After you've done this, two goats are brought. You cast lots. That's like throwing dice. Or They had several different ways of doing it. You'd have a stick that would stand up balanced and if it fell this way or that way. There were several ways to do this. But you cast lots to see which goat was for Jehovah and which goat was for uh, Azazel, which is, which is the scapegoat. We'll get back to the goats. Now, go back to the bullock that you bought with your own money and kill it. Then, go take coals from the altar and put them in a censer. Now, a censer would have been like, if, if you've been to a state park in America, they, they usually have these little barbecue places. They don't in California because a fire has already been prepared for you uh, in California. It's, just, it's everywhere. But in the other ones, they got this thing. It's like that, except more elaborate and beautiful. So you take the coals from the altar and you put them in the censer. If you're a Catholic, Roman, or Orthodox, you've seen them wave censers and, and the incense going up. Same thing, same concept. You take the incense, it's in a special dish, you have it there with the censer, and then you enter the Holy of Holies to burn incense in the presence of God. Only you are there. The prayers are represented by the incense. That's why it's there. It's to represent all of the prayers going up to God. But you're not done. You come back out. You get the basin that caught the blood of the bullock you killed. Then you re-enter the Holy of Holies. All of these rules. And you sprinkle the blood seven times up and seven times down. I'm not sure what that looked like, but I'm, I, I'm, I don't really want to. Uh, it, this is a mess, and this is very important. Blood is all over this story. Then come out and kill the goat marked for Jehovah. You drive the other one off into the wilderness. He's, he, he's taking the sins of the people out there to die on his own. Then you enter the Holy of Holies and you sprinkle the goat's blood. Uh, the scapegoat confesses the sins of uh, the people over that scapegoat and then they send him out. I got ahead of myself. There are more sacrifices. It's a very long day. Lots of changing as well that I'm leaving out. You pray for the priesthood, you pray for the people, you bathe again and put on special robes again, more sacrifices, then you put on white linen again, re-enter the Holy of Holies to remove the incense, come out, put on special robes, and burn the evening sacrifice. All of this to approach God. How unapproachable 
was God. And so when the Jews would stand and look at the temple, it was with awe, knowing God enters there. But we have to stay back. It's too dangerous for us to walk in. And then Jesus comes. We could not go into the holy place or the holy of holies. So God came to us in the form of Jesus. And he changed everything. How do we approach God? Well, the apostles wanted to know. That's what they were asking when they were saying, teach us to pray. They weren't asking Jesus to say, give us a rote prayer that we can say the rest of our lives. By the way, nothing wrong with saying the Lord's Prayer. I certainly do. As long as you do it sincerely, do it. But that's not what they're asking for. They're saying, how do we approach God? And Jesus says, like this, Father, there was a seismic shift. The universe went, what? Not audibly. Maybe. Everything changed. Father. You want to see God? When I was a boy, I always thought, you got to walk in the evenings in a garden with God, and you gave it away for fruit? Uh, I wasn't aware that in my life I would make many worse bargains. And that I would inflict myself with scars with my own sins. As a boy, it's easy to judge. Wouldn't you like to walk in a garden with God? Wouldn't you love for that to be a part of your daily life? And I know some of you right now are already jumping into the holy and saying, oh, we can do that through prayer. Stop it. Stop it. We're talking about walking with God here. That would be so amazing. Philip even looked at Jesus and said, could you just show us God? You understand the question now? God has always been kept behind the curtains. Could you just show us God? And Jesus turns and looks at him. And we sometimes read through this. We all smile and nod at each other. If you were Philip, you would have backed up against the wall at this stage. And your eyes gotten big. Because Jesus looks at him and says, Have I been so long around you? And you've not seen me? He didn't need to drop a mic there. That is just, I mean, this chill bumps on me. And I've been talking about Jesus for decades. He says, I'm here. I came out to you. I'm walking with you. There's a wonderful story in Acts where Peter and John are going up to the beautiful gate. They call it that because it was the most beautiful of the gates to the temple complex. And it was made actually of brass. And it was done that way so that it would catch the evening sun and reflect it. It was quite a beautiful thing. But there were steps up and there was a beggar there. He can never come in. He's, he's a beggar. There's some deformity. There's some, um, something's wrong with his legs, his arms, his face, his eyes. Whatever it is, he will never be allowed in. And so all he can do is sit on the steps and beg. Somebody must bring him, drop him off, and take him home every day. This is how he earns his place in the family. They're walking up and he's asked for alms and Peter stops. And I love the way this works. People just miss it. They'll go, yeah, he healed him. Would you, don't go to the miracle. And miracle, and please understand what I'm saying here. The miracles are the least impressive part of any of these stories. It's the why and the when and the what that's impressive. Peter stops and he says, look at me. First of all, 
Remember that want of a nail, the, the little kindnesses? Look at people. Look them in the eye. It's a person. It's not a problem. It's a person. Look at them. Get to know them. Man looks up and he goes, we don't have any money. Of course, he said, silver and gold, have we none? I imagine right then, the beggar is going, so you're wasting my time. Other people are going by. And Peter goes, but what I do have, I will give you. And people say, then he healed him. No, do you don't He healed him, and what was the first thing they did? He took him to go see God. He had never been allowed in. Peter says, everything's different now, buddy. Come here. You get to come in. And then Paul will talk about, there's no more male and female and slave and free. Women are in. And the only person ever called a deacon in Scripture is Phoebe, a woman. And Philip's daughters preached with him. And he's saying, we are all the family. Let's go. We can approach God now. At the crucifixion of Jesus, the temple would have been lit up with the evening sun when Jesus called out his last. People would have been gathered around it because this was a big deal that time of year. They all would gather around the temple to look in. When the sun hit that curtain for the Holy of Holies, everybody would cheer. And it was at that moment, invisible hands ripped the curtain in two and God shut off the sun. It went dark. No, I'm not in there anymore. I'm in him. Everything has changed. This was not a God who lost his temper. This was a plan it was calculated, it was purposeful, and it demonstrated what we find in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's start looking at scripture. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Stop right there. Are you aware God didn't like all the blood in the Old Testament? He didn't. He says so repeatedly through Jesus and in the writings of the apostles. It was to show people sin isn't cute. Sin isn't fun. Sin isn't your entertainment. It's not a fling. It's a, sin is why we've not been able to approach our God. And therefore, blood is in our streets. Blood is on our battlefields, and thousands of white crosses line the shores of Normandy because we didn't approach our God. Blood will flow, his or ours. You get to choose. God didn't like all the blood, he was trying to teach us something. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. 
It is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, my God. That verse is probably one of the most powerful, sweetest, heaviest verses in all of scripture. Skipping a little bit, when this priest had offered for all all time, this Jesus, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. And he adds, there's sins and lawless acts. I will remember no more. Now right now, if you're thinking, didn't we already read this? Yes, he's already quoted these passages before because how much, how much time does it take for you to deal with the fact that you're forgiven? I mean, how much time does it take? Do you still remember some of your old sins? I remember once or twice. Are we kidding? We, we sin. And sometimes we're thinking, I don't know if I can approach God. And my response to that, and, and the writer of Hebrews would be, who do you think you are? That your sins can outdo his blood. That was amazing, by the way, today that you sang there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. I haven't heard that song in like 30 years. I can remember hearing it when I was a little boy going, ooh, not sure that this was something I wanted to be a part of. You know, is there, is, is there a dry cleaning option uh, to, to get into heaven? It, it was terrifying for me. And what was really amazing was how many of you still knew the song? I turned to Cammie, I said, listen to these people sing. You, you were amazing, by the way. You really were today. Your singing was absolutely fantastic. We're going to keep the balcony closed. Uh, this was good. <laughs> if you want to come worship with us, come earlier. Best of luck. The, uh, we won't do that to you. Probably. But come early anyway. Because the first song's really cool. You ought to be here for it. Anyway. The... Uh, <laughs> Mark knows exactly what I'm talking about, don't you there, brother? Oh, my goodness. There are times I'll turn around for the first song thinking, right, everybody's got the flu. I don't know where they are. And then I turn around a couple songs later and go, oh, it's full. Well, there they are. You know, showed up. They've, they've been unraptured right, right back <laughs> in, into the pews. Anyway, that's, that song, have, have, that song's a terrifying song, but it's true. His blood, therefore, we don't have to do this. No, we, I, we don't have to do this anymore. Where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Can we, and can we just say this? There are, especially in third world countries, and God bless them, because they really think they're doing what God wants them to do. For Easter, they will they'll crucify themselves. Literally put nails in themselves. Or they will walk down streets, and Christians aren't the only ones to do this. Muslims have a couple of holy days where some Muslims will do it as well, where they're walking down the street and they're hitting themselves with a stick or a whip on the back and blood's flowing. You think God needs your help? You think, well, Jesus' blood was pretty good, but now with extra bonus blood. No, no, once for all. That is amazing. It is staggering. And now that that veil is torn, it's just a door for all of us to approach our God, not in fear. We boldly go before the throne, not with blood. God has not asked you to kill anybody. 
He has not asked any of his people to kill anybody. Jesus died so that we can love one another and be away from the shedding of blood. Look at 10 verses 19 through 23. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, if you don't have confidence, remember it's not confidence about how good you are, it's confidence about his promise. I'm not saved because I'm a good man. I don't think I am a good man. That's not false humility. I know me better than you know me. I am saved because he said I was. And you are saved because he said you were. And I believe him. Do you believe him? If so, we don't walk about with our mind, with our heads looking down, cast, always thinking about, oh, my sins. Instead of looking up and saying, oh, my Savior. That's what we do. Why, by, why do we have all of this? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Do you see now that symbolism? Curtain's torn, you look at Jesus, he takes you. Since we have a great high priest, some of the, um, there is a superlative in there, and some of the versions will say, since we have such a great high priest, that was the way they underlined things, over the house of God, Let us draw near to God. That was never possible before. It just wasn't. Even for a perfectly unscarred Levite man, he didn't have this option. We all do. Christians, Jews, Gentiles, we all have it now. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and please know where this verse is. Because when the devil reminds you of your past, you need to remind him of his future and read this out loud. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly. I love that word. We don't use that word enough. You know, people, it's dinner time. I shall be there unswervingly. We really need to work this into the vocab. To our, to our, of course, anybody that shortens vocabulary to vocab should probably not be telling you what words to use. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The question is, do you believe? In verses 26 through 31, They're warned that anyone who turns back away from Jesus or treats Jesus with spite or treats Jesus with disrespect, and yes, that would include some of our comedians, some of our quote stars, and some of our politicians who who speak ill of Jesus and who, who despise Christians who say others are in their thoughts and prayers. If you despise Jesus, chapter 10, verse 31... Let's bring it up. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. When I was a boy, that was preached at us to where we were terrified. And the preachers had it exactly wrong. Because Hebrews chapter 10 says, if you respect Christ and love Christ, you're fine. But if you disrespect Christ, if you turn your back on Christ... It is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Christians, he's not talking about you. We need to remember this and believe it enough to where we will show Christ 
like our brother Philip Dodge was talking about, where he is not revered at present, where he is not understood. Our job is to keep going even when we get tired. Good news is this. We, we will get tired, but we don't get tired at the same time. Therefore, we're able to encourage each other. I will fall. I will sin. I will stumble. I will get tired. And it will be your turn to carry me. And when you fall, sin, and get tired, my pledge is to carry you. That's what we do. That's who we are. The Marines aren't the only one who say, leave no man behind, we go further. We say, we're bringing the women too. And do you really want to go to heaven without women? I know, no, no, no. They're much more interesting, pretty, fun, and intelligent than we are. Let's just be honest. Every man is, is really no more complicated than a dog. It, we're, we're just not. If you feed us and pet us, we're happy. Everything. <laughs> Everything is good. So we say we're not going to leave man, woman, boy, or child. We're bringing them all. And we're not leaving behind the Muslims. And we're not leaving behind the Jews. And we're not leaving behind the atheists. We are going to show them what the blood of Christ has done for us and show them an open door and link arms and take them in. Because we're going to look them in the eye and say, what we have, we will give to you. Hebrews 10, 32 through 39. Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and, and persecution. See, they had Twitter back then. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were being so tre treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully... Ex that, this is an interesting phrase joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. You see, friends, if we believe this, we don't have to become famous by shooting somebody. So do not throw away your confidence. It'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay and, another quote, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one that shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Well, uh, Josh, would you bring your group back up here? The Borders and the Bells and special guest Keith Holloway. <laughs> if I understand correctly, the only one not related to the rest of you. Is that correct? Well, then don't treat him right. Shun him. <laughs> I'm going to step down on here and hope if it throws off the speakers, I'll step back up. Would you please stand as well? We are the ones who remind each other we're, we are not the ones who quit. We are not the ones who shrink back. We are the ones who believe that faith changes everything. Read this aloud with me as we close and go into our last song. Read, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good works, 
give, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen, church.